Welcome. I am your host, Christine, and this is the Self-Esteem Truths Podcast, a podcast about discovering the truth about who we are, why we struggle, and how we can overcome. This podcast is designed to help you transform your life as we dive weekly into new questions about self-esteem truths. Hi, I'm Christine, and this is episode 58. I was going to talk about something else this week, but then my nephew posted something to Facebook, which I've shared to our Facebook group, Self-Esteem Truths, so if you want to read it in its entirety, it's there. And it was from a child's perspective, addressing the parent about some of the emotional and mental trauma experienced by the way parents handle their own emotions. And this is near and dear to my heart, and we've talked about it a bit here, but I really felt it was important to dive into this a bit deeper today. So we've discussed this a lot, but I'm going to say it again, especially for those who maybe are listening for the first time. Trauma is any time a need went unmet, specifically the needs for love, safety, belonging. And as I've said before, it doesn't have to look like classical trauma. It doesn't have to be your family's home burning down or your parents dying in a car crash that you were a part of. It can be things that seem relatively little and simple. Any experience that we have, positive or negative, teaches us something about the world and about how we view ourselves. This is where this is really important. When you have a need and your parent meets it, that tells you that you can trust your parents, that you can trust adults. It tells you that you are deserving of this, that you are worth being cared for. On the other hand, if your need goes unmet, what it teaches you is that you cannot trust the adults in your life that are in control of your circumstances. It may give you the message that you are not worth it or not lovable. And you could see how this trauma would have a significant effect on your self-esteem. So I want to talk about some of these traumas that aren't the big massive ones that we all think about when we talk about trauma that you quite possibly experienced when you were a child and possibly did to your own children or are doing to your own children. I want you to just have some grace with yourself about this, but also be really aware of how this might have affected you and what you might be doing to your children or your grandchildren, and how you're teaching your children about how to interact with other people and their own children. Something as simple as shushing a baby. A baby is fussing. Why is a baby fussing? The baby has a need. We may not know the need. We may be trying to meet the need and can't figure out what the need is, but that child is crying because it has a need. And if our response is to shush that child... The message is already being given. It's not okay for you to tell me you're not okay. What about when the parent is having a rough day and comes home frustrated and is expressing that frustration and maybe tells that little child to get out of their face? Not right now. Trauma is occurring. That child needs validation and reassurance and connection. They need to know I'm loved, I'm safe. I belong. And if the response is, I'm having a negative emotion, so there is no space for you, there's no time or energy for you, that can be really traumatic. 
What about the things that children get upset about? They want their left shoe on their right foot. They want to wear their princess pajamas in 28 degree weather to a family function. You cut their sandwich into triangles wrong. These may seem very silly to adults, but I also want to remind you that the size of the problem is proportionate to the size of the world. For an infant, what is the size of their world? Themselves and their mother, maybe their father. What about for a toddler? Their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, their dog, their cat, their home. That is the size of their entire world. It is small. It is simple. And so their problems are also small and simple, proportionate to the size of their world. And so when we do not have appropriate respect as the adult to the issues that they're facing, and when we are not teaching at that age how to appropriately handle those emotions and those situations that are maybe upsetting, when we are telling them it's not that big of a deal or just get over it or stop crying, real emotional damage is being done and we are setting them up for future failure in dealing with emotions. Just like anything else, we learn small first. We practice small first. In a big company, you get an assistant first. You get one person under you before you get a team. You're allowed to drive around in a parking lot at 14, 15, before you're allowed to drive on main roads, before you're allowed to go driving on a freeway. We practice small first. We learn small first before we can do big. And so when we're teaching children at a very young age, unhealthy ways to handle their emotions and teaching them that they don't matter, their feelings don't matter, their needs are unimportant. It's not hard to understand how they would end up being adults that struggle with processing their emotions, articulating their needs, communicating healthily. It's not hard to see how they end up as adults with trauma. Now, I know this can seem kind of scary and hopeless because if this is trauma, then how are any of us standing any kind of chance at having a relatively normal, healthy adult life? And the answer to that, thankfully, is pretty straightforward. The first important thing is just recognizing that there was trauma and not downplaying it or belittling the very real emotion that you have around that trauma. Stop saying to yourself, well, at least this didn't happen to me. At least that didn't happen to me. At least I had a roof over my head and food in my stomach. At least I wasn't ever hit. Stop belittling your own trauma. The second thing is break the cycle. Stop this pattern with the next generation in your family. Stop it from going any further. And the last thing is talk about it. Talk to your children, even if they're grown. Talk to your siblings, talk to your parents, talk to your spouse. If you are raising your children this way or have raised your children this way, it's okay to recognize that the intention was good and there's no plan in your heart to cause them harm, but also start having those conversations to undo some of this, to recognize it and start clearing the air around it. Start sending a new message, start creating space for those voices that have been silenced, including your own. Create space for somebody to say, I feel this. I need this. This hurts me. And I want to reiterate this again. 
Small worlds have small problems and big worlds have big problems, but the problems are proportionate to the world. If we are simply looking at it as the ratio of problem to world, it becomes much easier to be respectful of other people's problems that may not seem as big to us. A high school student may think that the world is over because their best friend isn't talking to them. And it might be very easy as a parent to look at that and say, come talk to me when you have bills that need to be paid and some medical mystery going on that doctors can't solve and the car just broke down again. It might be really easy to do that. But that teenager's world is much smaller than yours. And their problem is proportionate to the size of their world. And if we want our children, our infants being shushed to our teenagers being told it's not that big of a deal, if we want them to grow up to be emotionally, mentally, physically healthy, capable, well-adjusted adults, we have to do our part. And that means giving them the skill set to understand their emotions, to communicate successfully, and creating the type of environment that assures them that they not only have love, safety, and belonging, but they are absolutely and wholly deserving of love, safety, and belonging. One thing we do with my grandson, who is weeks old at this point, is when he cries instead of shushing him, we say, I know, I hear you, I understand, you're right. Does he understand our words yet? No. Yet we are practicing that response to him so that when he does understand our words, that is the message that he receives. Imagine being a child and knowing your needs will be met, knowing that something that is upsetting to you will be respected and heard, knowing that you are being listened to, that what matters to you matters to those that you believe are there to keep you safe and protect you. Imagine a childhood where it is safe to practice communicating what you are thinking, what you are feeling. Imagine the message that would be received about your worth, your right to your opinion, your right to your emotions, your ability to be loved if the response to you had been this. Now, of course, I am not saying to give a child whatever they want. It is the parent's job to guide and instruct a child so that they can learn appropriate, realistic, and healthy wants and ways of communicating and processes for handling upsetting situations. I am suggesting that we can acknowledge for the child that they didn't want their sandwich cut that way while also giving them tools for coping with that disappointment. I am suggesting that we can hear out our 11-year-old who thinks that the world is coming to an end because there's homework on the weekend, and at the same time, teach them ways to manage their time so they can still have fun on the weekend and help them to look at this with a positive outlook. What we can't do is treat children one way and expect at 18, they suddenly have completely different skill sets. And those lessons start at birth with what we demonstrate and how we interact with our children. Who you became as an adult 
started with the moment you were born and how your parents interacted with you or when they chose not to interact with you, how they validated you when they dismissed you, being told you can't cry or you can't be upset about that or you can't ask for things, all played a part in who you became as an adult. It doesn't mean there's never unpleasant experiences or unpleasant emotions. It does mean that they can be handled healthily with calm, clear communication and an understanding that respect is necessary and without self-esteem being shaken. Where have you had experiences in your own childhood where you were shushed or ignored or your childlike efforts weren't appreciated or your child-sized problems were dismissed? Where in your life were you receiving the message, you're not worth it, you're not deserving, you're not lovable? Recognizing it for what it is is a key step towards recovering from that and moving into a healthier place where your self-esteem can thrive. Understanding this will help you break the cycle in your own family so those that come after you will be in a much better place to have the success and happiness that they want and deserve in the world. So my challenge to you this week is just to take this all in, process it, look at your life experiences, both as the child and as the parent or influencer in other children's lives through this new lens and ask yourself what you can do differently, both in how you interact with yourself and how you interact with those around you. If this is really striking a chord with you and you're recognizing that a lot of your self-esteem issues stem from exactly this, I would love to talk to you. We can do that privately and one-on-one. All you have to do is send me an email. My email is in the show notes, or you can message me through the Facebook group. Again, that's Self-Esteem Truths, also in the show notes. Thanks for being with me here today. I wish you all the very best. I'm reminding you that you are worth it. You are deserving. You are lovable. And some of the places that you got the message that you weren't was completely unintentional. I look forward to talking to you next week. Bye.